Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. The 98th PGA Championship will always be remembered as Jimmy Walker's moment. A final round that Jimmy Walker will remember the rest of his career as he holds off Jason Day by a shot to win his first career major victory. Welcome into the Monday Scramble Podcast. I'm George Savarikas with Golf Channel Analyst Trip Eisenhower, Golf Channel Analyst Brian Bateman. Guys, what a performance from Jimmy Walker down the stretch. Yeah, I, no question about it. Uh, uh, Jimmy's always been a low-key, kind of calm guy. Boy, did he show it yesterday. And um, kind of kick-started his round at 10, and then the putt at 17, Brian. That was just, that gave him, because the difference in playing that hole where he had to make birdie or he had to make par changed the whole strategy for 18, so that putt at 17 was huge. And he really didn't think Jason Day was good. To me, it seemed like that it was a one-man show the last two or three holes. The bunker shot on 11 uh, was huge for, for uh, Jimmy Walker. But I'm with you. The putt on 17, beautiful wedge shot in there right behind the hole, knowing that if he can make that, he can pretty much limp down 18. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, Jason Day does what he does and makes eagle, which makes 18 even that more impressive. That he goes for the green in two, anything can happen, but he said he felt comfortable with the decision, yeah. and he makes a routine par and wins it. How much did the bunker shot change the complexion of things to help steady the nerves? Everything. I mean, I said the 10th hole. It was the 11th. and Because you saw him how he played from there on in. Uh, you know, just precision. He was hitting to the right, correct side of the flags. You know, he never short-sided himself. He never, he did get in trouble with one tee shot, but those are the breaks that winners get. The brand through the tree, had a swing, he was able to knock it on the green. Um, yeah, I, just amazing stuff. And the majors this year have just been incredible to watch to the last minute. I mean, it's had us on the edge of our seat. Was there any question Jason Day was not going to make that putt on 18? No. <laughs> and I loved his reaction from the fairway. He knew. Yeah. That he hit it exactly how he wanted to. And that was that just made the week, I think, uh, that much more impressive for Jimmy Walker. Just because of the way he was playing, and then for Jason Day to finish like that, yeah. and then make Jimmy Walker play out the last was pretty cool. Yeah. Even though he didn't win, was that one of the best closing stretches that Jason Day has had to make eagle on the last when he knows that he basically has to? Well, I wouldn't say the best closing stretch. It was uh, the best closing hole. The stretch, he, he missed a lot of opportunities. You know, he didn't hit the ball very close coming in. He didn't have a lot of good opportunities. And if there is a knock on Jason Day, it's his proximity to the hole. And, again, I'm nitpicking world number one yeah. here. Uh, but that's the issue with Jason Day. Sometimes he doesn't give himself close enough putts, but he more than makes up for it because he's the best putter outside of 20 feet by mile. He's had an impressive year this year. For someone who did not win a major, he's really played extremely well in all four majors. And I wasn't surprised at all to see. The players the major? The, What's pl that? the players in oh, the major? excuse me. Well, that's... <laughs> The half major. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it has been impressive, and I think there's no question he is the best player in the world. Just by, I don't think he had his A game this week, mm -hmm. was a little bit loose off the tee, but he was there at the end, and he made Jimmy Walker earn it. I just love that in that big a moment that you, yeah. you, you knew he was going to make the putt, that he's gotten to that point not quite the same dominance. He's had stretches, but 
no one's really going to replicate what Tiger did. But as far as the moment, you always thought Tiger would make the putt. Like in 08, <laughs> in the U.S. Open, you knew Tiger was going to make it against Rocco. You knew Jason was going to make it yesterday at the PGA Championship to force Jimmy Walker to have to make par on the last. And the strategy off of 18, you know, he didn't force the issue either. He didn't try to take driver and, and, and get way down the fairway knowing that trouble was left. Takes iron off the tee and still knows that he's going to have 250 yards in right. and then just laces a two iron to 15 yeah. feet. And back to that point, though, the putt on 17 for Walker, had he had to make birdie and hit driver on a hole that, you know, if you're trying to fit driver down there, now he can play with a three-shot lead at the time. He can hit the iron off the tee, take the water completely out of play. So uh, a lot of good things happened for Jimmy Walker, uh, obviously. He'd hit, he'd hit it in the water earlier in the week with yeah, driver on right, 18. Right, yeah, got a bad bounce. He hit it down the left-hand side, but it kicked in the water. But still, that, uh, that changed the complexion of how you can play that par five. With four majors in the books, who would be your player of the year at the moment? Oh, start with you, Brian. I would say Dustin Johnson just because he's got a win. Uh, he's played well in, in other he's majors. Two he, wins. Well, he win in a major. Yeah, in, in a yeah. major. But he, uh, he's missed, missed the cut as well. Uh, and, and I don't think you can hold that against him winning the, at, the, uh, at the U.S. Open. Jason Day's had a solid year with majors. He just doesn't have a win. But I would have to lean on DJ. But going forward, we talked about this before we went on the air. A lot can change over the next month with the FedEx Cup points and the playoffs and the Tour Championship. So yeah. as of right now, I'll say Dustin Johnson. I'd say it's, I'd say it's tied. I'd say right now it's tied. And who plays the best in the FedEx Cup is, is going to who, who gets it. And I'd say it's tied between... Jason Day and Dustin Johnson. I think it's a two-man race at this point, and um, if one of those players plays well through the FedEx Cup, has a chance to win, or even wins the FedEx Cup, which is likely with those two, I think that's going to be the deciding factor. But um, I would give it dead even right now. I think right now you would have to go with Dustin Johnson by a hair just because he has the major victory to him. But Jason Day, to your point, can easily have an explosive stretch like he did last year in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And then if he gets to four wins, it's hard to go two in a major over four wins, yeah. but it depends if he wins the FedEx Cup playoffs. So the exciting part is there's still a lot to be decided. And, of course, we also have the Olympic Games lurking uh, a week from now. Before we get to that, though, what do you make of the, the performance from the big three in the majors? If you said they were going to get skunked the beginning of the year, how surprised would you be? Um, you know what? I, I the one that you have I have to roll back old footage because yeah. I remember talking about this. No, and, and what what I said was uh, the guy I thought was going to win a major was Rory, I, and that's the biggest shock to me is Rory McIlroy, his performance in the majors this year. Um, I, I I've said it often, and I'll stand by it. Follow, um, the list of players to win majors in consecutive years is very short and very distinguished for a reason. It's hard to win any tournament let alone major championships. It's, and, you know, with Jordan winning two and, and being part of the story in all four last year, amazing stuff. That was an incredible year. I thought he would struggle in the majors this year. Not really struggle. I mean, I thought he'd be part of the story. But to win them, you know, I, I, wouldn't be, I was not surprised there. Again, I go back to Rory McIlroy as my biggest surprise. To um, not, He contended at, at, at the Masters, and if you want to call it quasi-contending, yeah, yeah. At, at the Open. I'm just shocked that he didn't have he didn't win one this year, especially coming off the injury last year where he's was feeling better starting in the uh, the start of this year. Uh, but I'm with you I, to repeat what Jordan Spieth did last year the the historical run that he had that was almost impossible for yeah. anyone to expect him to do that again. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised with Jason Day just as he's been playing so well over the last year and a half for him not to have won one this year. I, Rory's up there as well, but Jason Day this year in majors tenth, eighth, twenty second, and second. 
So he's had a solid, solid four round, uh, four events. He just haven't. He hasn't won one. Who would have said? Who would have thought back in January if you would have said, "We're going to have four major winners this year that have never won before, four, four first timers," and it's not going to include Sneds, Cooch, Sergio, Ricky, Ricky Hideki. Yeah, I think. In, you could have won some money with some bets on that because I don't think anybody would have said there's right. no way that those four are those four or five aren't going to be one of the first-time winners this year. As far as your lasting memory from 2016 in the majors, what would you go with, Brian? I'm partial to Troon because I was over there and I got to see a lot of it. The, the, the duel between Stinson and Mickelson really making it a two-man show on the back nine, uh, or actually on the, the final round, was just epic. The shot that they, they kept following each other with just shot after shot after shot. And for Phil to shoot 65 bogey-free and not win because Stetson <laughs> shoot 63 on Sunday, that's my lasting memory. Yeah, I, I, when you when you've got to go back to 77 and Nicholas Watson and and uh, at Turnberry, uh, yeah, that's that's clearly it. But uh, right close behind it is is all the hiccups with the USGA and how they handled things with DJ and how he handled it. You know, getting that news on the uh, 12th tee and then handling it the way he did coming in. But, yeah, I mean, Henrik Stenson and, and Phil Mickelson distancing themselves from the field the way they did and uh, making it. That, that, that was so much fun to watch. But, uh, really, all the majors were fantastic this year. They delivered um, uh, no unlikely luck? winners in a couple of ways. But, uh, you know, first-timers that have the resumes to back it up. No mention of Jordan Spieth. The guy is trying to defend at the Masters and just has a complete meltdown on the 12th. That You don't think... 10, 20 years from now when people look back on 2016, that they'll remember that as the year that Spieth came unraveled? Well, the shock value with that. That's what it was. draws people's attention. That, that's what you remember 20 years after what happened with Greg Norman, what okay. happened on that Sunday. I think that'll be the lasting memory okay. going forward is Jordan Spieth more than the, like the duel in the sun in 77. It's not like we specifically were. You see the numbers. But it's not like you have these highlights that go back and forth that resonate with people as much as what happened with Norman 20 people years. People like ago. car crashes. And, they do. And that that what was do you one. go to the Grand Prix for? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and that was an epic car crash. There's no question. And also being at Augusta, where it, history just repeats itself because we're so familiar with every shot and every hole, and it, you can almost chronologically go back and name all the winners and all the things that happened, good and bad, at the Masters. That's a good point. That just because it's being the Masters and Augusta National. It may hold some, have some legs moving forward. What happened to Jordan Spieth, especially being number one in the world? And we have the longest gap. It's eight months from the PGA to the Masters. So what's the hype all going to focus on? The Masters. Yeah, you got an eight-week The PGA Championship had one week to go from the Open to the PGA where everyone's like, okay, that's the next major. Augusta has that special place as the first major to start the year. So you have that gap from August to April. Until what? And it's going to be eight months of looking at these pictures of, of Jordan Spieth. So that's why I think long term that that'll be the story that, unfortunately, people uh, people remember. And hey, it's never too early to take a peek at some of the uh, new odds for the 2017. Oh boy, Masters. Good gosh, already. Jason Day at seven to one. Jordan Spieth at eight to one. Who would be your early favorite? I like Jordan Spieth at Augusta National. It just seems like he knows how to play the golf course, obviously. He's already won it, and he finished second uh, last year. Uh, Jason Day can overpower any golf course, but it seems like to me Jordan Spieth has the, 
the game and the mentality. He's figured out how to play Augusta. He can plot his way around, knows that he does not have to be extremely long off the tee, and he can take advantage of his wedge play and his putting. So I would say Jordan Spieth would have my edge, although I, I do think that Jason Day is the all-around, the best player in the world when everything is clicking on all cylinders. And, and, and to your point, I mean, Spieth this year, and we talk about the car crash, he did not have his best no. iron game at all. No. And he was, he, had, he was leading going into the, the second nine, and he, he was the still leading. Lead. Yeah, and uh, he's always he's going to be one of those guys like a, a, a Nicholas or a Watson that each and every year he's going to be up there. He's going to be in the top three or four of everybody's picks, uh, provided he shows some form, and typically he will. The other guy that, that I think has the game now, for Augusta National, and it's because his improved short game and his improved wedge play is DJ. I was going to say DJ. Because, I mean, he what he can do to that golf course, as far as shortening that, that um, in particular the par fives, he, he, his weakness was his pitching and chipping. A couple of years ago when Jordan Spieth um, did win, he was right there. He probably wasn't going to win with Jordan Spieth doing what he was doing, but his pitching and chipping just was his undoing. Yeah. And um, that's much improved. And his wedge game is really one of the best on tour now from 50 to 125 Which yards. Is, that's, that's unbelievable how much Remarkable. he's improved yeah. his wedge Because that was absolutely his Achilles heel. Oh, yeah. yeah. In the early part of the year, DJ is usually turning in the right direction, direction because he seems to always play well at Riviera, some of the mm -hmm. West Coast. He's played well at Doral before. He's a guy who lives in Jupiter. So it seems like a very comfortable stretch that builds up for him leading up to the Masters. And Guys, here's what we have coming up. Uh, if you look on the PGA Tour this week, it's the Travelers Championship, of course, the opening ceremonies are on Friday mm -hmm. for the Rio Olympic Games. Then it's the John Deere Classic going up against the Olympic Men's Golf Competition, Wyndham Championship, and the Barclays. You can catch the opening ceremony, 7.30 Eastern on NBC. So now the dust has settled. We, we basically know who's going, who's in. Now if anyone pulls out, it's the very last second because basically we had all those going up until – that July 11th deadline. What are your expectations now for golf's return to the Olympics? Um, you know what? I, I think we're going to see. Uh, I think we're going to see Patrick Reed. I'm going to go ahead and predict it. I think he's going to be the favorite for the gold medal. I, I think the way he's been playing, uh, he's done everything but win this year, and uh, the way he plays for the red, white, and blue is pretty amazing. And uh, it, you know, he's one of the highest ranked players in the field. Um, but I think we're going to see. Hopefully, this is what I want to see. I want to see somebody, an underdog, that we, we've never really heard of that is in that tournament. And with the format, it gives them that opportunity. 72-hole uh, stroke play. And we talk about Olympic teams. Well, teams go out the window. You're playing for your country. You're representing your country. Uh, you want to see an country. underdog win it or just contend? I want to see them part of the story. I'd love to see them win it. I'd love to see them well, win would it. Would that be good for the health of golf going forward? Because they're picking in 2017 if golf's standing in the Olympic Games. Well, you have like a Rodolfo Casabon from well, Mexico win it. Is that really going to resonate? Uh, yeah, well, I, I think so as a fan, I, and I'd love to see a duel, but you're, you bring up a good point, yes. I mean, it, it could maybe not give the high-profile aspect of it. But, you know, like I was talking to Seamus Power, who's on the Web.com Tour, uh, and he's going, and he was talking about all the things. He's going to be on the PGA Tour next season. He's already right. taken care of that. But it, like he said, a gold medal gets you in the majors. Right. So for a player like that, you know, to, there's so many different things that uh, the doors it would open up for Seamus Power, a player like that, would be fantastic. So that's that's kind of what I what I personally would like to see. But again, I think the favorite is Patrick Reed. 
We'll let you chew on it for a second. What do you got over here? Well, I, I totally agree with you. I think the golf course is going to dictate a lot of what happens down there, uh, how it sets up for, for certain players, the length, the weather, so forth. Um, Matt Kuchar has been playing all over the world since the, since September. He was he played uh, it was over in Asia, turn of the, uh, of the year, and then he wanted it went to Fiji for a Fiji, week, yeah, and then won. went to Mexico. This is kind of right up his alley. He can kind of float under the radar mm -hmm. and and bring bring some some good golf to the Olympics. I, I just I hope and and once once the Olympics get here, I just hope that. The focus is on the players that are there and not on the players who are not there. Right. And right. I think that's going to happen. I hope that happens. I think that would be great for the, the image, if you will, that, that you know, golf's kind of taken a – men's golf, at least, has kind of taken a, a lick from the players that have backed out. So I hope the focus is on the players that are there and there's some compelling golf that leads us and see who wins the gold medal uh, after 72 holes. But I'm going to go with Coots just because the way he's been playing. And he just – his attitude, his demeanor, yeah. you know, I don't think it's going to bad pick. I don't yeah. think it's going to bother him. How whatsoever. big an upset would it be if the Americans don't medal? That would be surprised? huge. Oh, it would be huge if they don't medal. They don't medal. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's. I think. I think they have the real possibility of getting um, two of the three for sure. Maybe a sweep. I mean, you, the way well, Patrick waving the uh, patriotic flag. I, here, well, I am a little the bit. English team has Danny Willett, Justin. They Rose. do. There, are, there is and some. Hendrick Stinson's playing Stinson's fantastic playing, yeah. golf yeah. right now. There is some cachet. You got about 15 to 20 big names, uh, 20 yeah. mid-tier guys, and then about 15 to 20 guys that you're going to need NBC to do some good storytelling on to get viewers sure. up to speed right. with some of these. Bios. But that's what we need. That's what yeah. we get at the Olympics. I mean, people right. that we haven't. That's why I'm saying I would love to see one of those players that we they've got to do a lot of storytelling on to be part of the story all right Ryder cup it's never too oh early boy. to start talking that that's the grand finale at hazeltine here are the Ryder cup standings a lot of movement remember double points at the pga championship so check out that rise by jimmy walker was 29th which to me was shocking how low he was a testament to the fact that he hadn't had that great a season by his standards jumps all the way up to fourth brooks kepka hops in the top eight Bubba Watson falls out mm -hmm. from seven to nine. What do you guys, Brian? What do you? We'll start with you. What do you think of the uh, composition of the U.S. team as it stands right now? Well, I think Davis Love right now has got to be thrilled with uh, how Jimmy Walker played last week. He, had, you're right, George. He has not played well. He missed the cut at the Open and at the U.S. Open, so he had really had zero form coming in to play that well. I think Davis is happy to see him play well, and Brooks Kepka, whose ankle looked like a turnip, out there battling his way into a top five finish. Davis, he, he, he likes the length. He likes the demeanor of Brooks. I talked to him about a month ago, and he was very uh, – had a lot of high praise for Brooks Kepka just because he thinks the chemistry on the team. So to see Brooks move up the list, I think is great. And then from there, you know, the guys that are – you could call them locks. I think Brooke, Brooks at number five is a lock. Zach and, and J.B. Uh, Holmes, who's played great this year. And then you get down into the kind of the bubble guys, Sneds and, and Bubba and Patrick Reed. And we talked about this again before we went on there about the guys that are going to play in the Olympics, like Bubba and Cooch, who are on this bubble, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, right in there. They're not going to have many starts left because they're playing in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. I know Bubba's playing this week at Travelers. I don't know if Cooch is or not. And Bubba always plays well at Travelers. And he does. And then they come back from the from the break from the Olympics, and they have the Barclays, and then that's it. On the the top eight are decided. So, and then you have Ricky Fowler at number twelve right now, I, and he hasn't played his best this year for his standards. He does have seven top tens. 
but he hasn't played well in majors. But I don't know how you, Davis can leave him off the team just because of his track record, President's Cup and Ryder Cup, and the chemistry in the locker room once again that Ricky Fowler brings. Yeah, uh, and he's a he, you know, he's a guy that you would want standing next to you on the first tee, uh, Ricky Fowler, even though he hadn't shown the form that we're we're expecting out of Ricky Fowler week to week. But right now, to your point, I think the he picks right down the list. If it's if it's stopped the way it is now. I think he goes right down through uh, 9, 10, 11, 12. I mean, that, you know, it's, it's so Patrick ask, Reed. Why even have a task force on if you think that that's how it's going to play out? We've had all this hype for two years. We've got a task force. We're doing the European formula. They've had this continuity within the team framework and whatnot. And then we're just going to go right down the list. Well, those are players that you would pick. I, I, I mean, if, if Kucher or a Patrick Reed were 15-16 in the standings, he would pick them. I think Patrick Reed was going to be part of this team no matter what. To blame it necessarily on the task force, I, look, I think the task force is going to be good for captaincies going forward and captains. That's the one thing that when, when like I talked to Padraig Harrington, who, who is likely going to be the, the European captain or at least be a contender for France um, in the next Ryder Cup, but um, he, they know what to do. The Europeans do. That part of it's there, but here's what's going to happen. I think the Americans are going to win this Ryder Cup. I really do. I think this team is so solid, and I think all this. But they're not going to win because of the task force. They're going to win because they're good players that are finally going to make key putts in, in key situations. And, uh, again, I think the task force is a good thing for continuity for the captains from team to team, year to year. Good thing for the Americans, but that's not going to be the reason why they win at Hazleton. Who's the favorite on paper? I think the Americans are. Mm -hmm. They are almost every year on paper. So they've lost what? Well, eight out right. of ten. You're yeah. right, but on paper, I think they are because the Europeans have a lot more first-time potential first-time players mm -hmm. than the Americans. Why I think is there's that a five bad rookies thing? for them and maybe one for us? Why is that a bad thing to have all these rookies if, if they're guys playing great like Matthew Fitzpatrick, Rafa Cabrera Bayo? They've won eight out of ten. They have veterans who have been on winning Ryder Cup teams. Why? I don't get why. A Matthew Fitzpatrick being a rookie is worse than a Jim Furyk whose career record is like 10, 20, and 7 or something along those lines. At what point does inexperience versus experience losing, where does the scale go? <laughs> well, that, that, was Darren Clark, that was Darren Clark's quote. Americans are favorite just because we have five rookies and they would have potentially one. I'm with you. I mean, it, it, when it comes down to Danny match Willis play. a rookie. He has a green jacket. Right. I, I, I agree with you. I, but I still think top to bottom – Based on especially how, how these players have been playing over the past four to five, six weeks. I mean, Phil's playing unbelievable. Brooks is pay, playing unbelievable. And then Zach's a bulldog, and I think JB can overpower it. He's a great pairing with someone else, oh, yeah. maybe like a Zach who doesn't hit it as far. I just think on paper, uh, the Americans have to feel like that they are the favorites. Now, does that mean they're going to win? Absolutely not. Well, and the last time, to your point, the last time the Americans won the Ryder Cup, they had six rookies on the team. Half their team was rookies in 2008. 2008. Yet it's, oh, we got all these rookies. How yeah. can you win with rookies? And, and, That's what they, they boat raced them in 2008. And, and they're a completely new team. Their rookies on the European team are world-class players. But, again, I, I'm going to echo what Brian said and, and, and go with recent form, and um, just the ability to pair different players. But the other thing, too, George, is um, I never played in a Ryder Cup, but talking to players that have, everything is so much more elevated than even a major championship. I mean, major championships, are you're amped up. And, and 
how to handle that. It's, it's new. It's different. That can be a benefit, but it also can be a hindrance. And um, you look at some of their rookies that their recent form, not necessarily like Fitzpatrick hadn't played all that great. Um, Cabrera Bello, he's one of those players who made the cut in all four majors, so I, I you like him. But um, I don't know. I just think I think Darren Clark's got a tougher job of melding some of his pairings than Davis does. Because if you remember 2014, who would you say were the two best Americans at that Ryder Cup? Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed. Oh yeah, two without rookies. question. Yeah. So that's why I I don't full I get how different guys have different mental makeup, mm -hmm. but to just say he's a rookie, but we can't pick him or whatnot. Webb Simpson had experience, gets picked as a captain's pick, and we saw what happened. Whereas Billy Horschel, obviously with tweaking the rules, he could have been picked. Horschel has the temperament. Some guys do not enjoy being in that position. Bubba has never really been comfortable in a Ryder Cup. Whereas if you have a fiery personality like a Horschel or Patrick Reed, who has no problem being the heel or taking on that external type of factors, I think that you need to look at a guy's personality, and that kind of is a better gauge with certain guys than how much experience they have playing in a Ryder Cup. But I think I agree that the U.S. team probably world ranking-wise has more class, but I think with the Europeans having won 8 out of 10, they won in 2012 at Medina, that with an epic comeback, though. I mean, you know, made, made so many key putts that the Americans quit making putts. But since 2000, the U.S. has won once I, I, in the U.S. Yeah. So I get that it's a different team than it was two years ago, but at what point is it, okay, the U.S., they are underdogs. They're not winning. Like, how, how do you keep saying it, one side is a favorite and they keep losing every year? That's It's just hard for me to grasp that. On paper, they're the favorites. I mean, it just is. You can go down with uh, world rank and all that, but, uh, again, the, this is the, the beautiful thing of the Ryder Cup is the Europeans seem to have a formula that makes them pop up and make putts when they need to do it. I And, and that's a unbelievable thing. And, and, you know, you look at the guys like Sergio and, and Henrik Stenson, the way he's playing. Yeah. Um, they're formidable. Don't get This is not going to be easy. But Justin I, Rose. Justin Rose, a, a, a fantastic partner. I mean, he's a guy you can pair with anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and Danny Willett, even though he's a rookie, I, I think Danny Willett is, uh, you know, a great ball striker and a very underrated putter. Yeah. I mean, you don't win the Masters without putting well. And, and you look at him statistically it, uh, for most of this year, he's been really solid on the greens. And it comes down to how you putt in Ryder Cups. And uh, well, Europeans to, do to it. To your point, this, this list of the top 12 right here, there's, I would say, half of these guys, their strength is putting. Yeah. And that's been, the, that's been the Achilles heel of the Americans with all these losses. The Europeans make putts, and we don't. Yep. And between, but, you, but you remember 2012, like Steve Stricker, guy's a great putter. Couldn't make a big putt down the stretch. Couldn't. Jim Burek misses a big putt. So we have guys who historically have good short games. They just haven't come up big in that type of moment, whereas Martin Keimer rolls in the putt, and that changed the whole tenor of that match. Sorry to interject. No, no, no. It's just that's what's so fun about talking Ryder Cup because there's a certain element of these players wanting to do it for Davis. There's going to be a certain aspect of the home field advantage with Hazeltine, which you could argue that didn't help at Medina. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors going here. I just think that on paper and looking from top to bottom of who is potentially going to be on the list, these guys are playing some really good golf mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. and the Ryder Cup is not that far away. They don't pin Medina in Chicago, all right? No, no, no. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago who boy. Also Windy City yeah. near and dear to my heart. Real quick, last question, a name that we haven't mentioned at all, Tiger Woods. You see what happens with the Europeans, how they mold these captains, and you know that Padraig Harrington down the road 
is going to be a Ryder Cup mm -hmm. captain in the near future. It's what happened with Darren Clark. That's kind of the formula and system they've used. Tiger Woods seemingly embraced this role as vice captain because clearly he said he's out for the year. There's no way he can be in a playing capacity. What type of involvement and influence will Tiger have going forward on that side of the Ryder Cup? I hope he has a, a, a bigger role than, than he's had. I know he and Davis talked three or four times a week, uh, but I hope Tiger plays a big role in the locker room. Uh, you know, he's been kind of disconnected from the tour. He hasn't played, obviously. Uh, a lot of these players, uh, the younger ones obviously look up to Tiger, and then there's some of his contemporaries like Phil and Zach. I hope he plays a big role. I mean, there's, there's no better person to talk to about experience and about how to handle this high-profile, high-pressure situation, like you said, Tripp, than Tiger Woods. So I hope he plays a big role. And I wouldn't be surprised that, that moving forward, once, once it gets closer to the Ryder Cup, that we hear maybe from Davis certain things that Tiger and Furyk or whoever the assistant captain is going to be, what roles they're going to play. But I, I think Tiger's a huge component to this uh, if he's willing to accept it and, and move forward with it. Yeah, and I, 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 I echo that, that, that Tiger is a big part of Ryder Cup. He will be a captain, probably a multiple-time captain, uh, like Davis Love. I, I, think, I think not only, though, Tiger, I think you've got Furyk, Stricker, Phil, and Tiger. I think, I think you look at those four Americans, and they're going to all be captains someday, and they're going to be part of this task force and building a system to hand off to the next generation of captains, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, uh, Patrick Reed. Then eventually those guys will be captains, and they'll have just a beautiful blueprint to walk into. Like, hey, you pair this kind of player with this kind of player. You look for this, the, the pod system that, that Zinger did. You kind of meld that. That's what the Europeans do, and um, that's a big part of why they have success. But ultimately, it comes down to players playing, and Tiger, I'm sure, is going to be difficult to watch and not be part of it because, uh, you know, anytime you're on the sidelines as competitive as Tiger is, it's going to be hard. And I would also say this, George, I think once it gets here, I, Tiger's going to do his best not to be the story. You know, he, he's going to, mm -hmm. and it's going to be extremely difficult because we haven't seen much of him. Yeah. But when he's on site at Hazeltine, there's going to be cameras on him just like there's going to be on the players, and there's going to be questions asked in the pressers about, you know, what has Tiger done? Or, Tiger, what do you think about this pair? It's going to be a difficult thing, I think, for Tiger because this is unlike anything he's ever done before. And as much as he possibly wants to help and be involved, he also not, doesn't want to be the center of attention. So it's going to take some, uh, maybe some deflecting from Davis or from Furyk or from Stricker, whoever else, uh, and take some of, the, some of the heat and the attention away from Tiger. But that's going to be almost impossible to do. How about this, though? Let me just throw this scenario out. Phil or Tiger, captain at Bethpage. How good a Ryder Cup would that be, huh? I think it's going to be Phil at Bethpage. I'm predicting it now. On paper, Mark though, it, it makes, right here. makes sense, but Phil, knows, at Bethpage. Phil could be playing captain at Bethpage. Yeah, I doubt it by then. third right now in the Ryder Cup. Well, he's third right now, but I mean, we're talking uh, eight years from well, now. Hey, time will tell. Okay. Isn't it 2024? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. That's a stretch. Oh, it's 2020. Yeah, 2020. All right, I'm, it's I'm 2024. Retract what I said the last 10 seconds. Okay. All right, guys, a lot of fun. For Brian Tripp, I'm George. Thank you for joining us on the Monday Scramble podcast, Olympic opening ceremonies, Friday night, 730 Eastern on NBC.